How's it going, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the Tomatolito Show. And uh, and I, I, I got to admit something. Uh, I had some show, or at least one of the episodes, pre-recorded already early in the week, and I knew I was going to be traveling. Uh, I, I figured some of the episodes are going to be posted late, as they will be. Uh, by the time that you that you get to hear a lot of the episodes this weekend, you'll notice that some of them are already backdated, or at least some of the information or the events may have happened. Um now there's there's an episode that I ended up scrapping as I was listening to it. Um, I I didn't feel totally uh totally confident about putting it out because it wasn't doing justice. It almost felt like I was coming across as too much of a hater or not giving the respect necessary to uh, Sarah Meta. And the episode was going to be the preview episode that I was going to put out against Golovkin and Sarah Meta. So I listened to it, and right when I was going to release it, I ended up scrapping it. I, I will. I figured I wasn't doing justice by him. I wasn't giving him much of a chance. I know I've come across in the past as maybe even the Kubra Pulev that comes to mind where I just didn't see a route for him to be able to, to defeat Anthony Joshua. Uh, but I might, I, I may be coming across as a, as if I'm just very doubtful or, or almost hating on, on their abilities. Um, the, the stuff that's throwing me off is the, the reports, right? He's a world ranked fighter. He's, he's a world renowned fighter. He says, but I had never heard of him. A lot of people had never heard of him. Majority of people had never heard of him or fans for that matter. You got some of the ratings. I think Ring Magazine, depending on the source that you go to, they, uh, they have Sarah Meta ranked at number six or number seven, uh, claiming that the Ring Magazine has him at six or seven. Now, depending on the source that you go to, right? Some, some sources claim ring has them at six. Others claim that ring has them at seven. Uh, the IBF, which is the, uh, the title that, that Golovkin holds claim to, uh, has them at rank number three, but yet the first and second rank fighters are vacant. They're not rated. So I was just questioning this. None of the other organizations have them within their top 15, the WBC, WBA, or the WBO, or even the IBO. I couldn't find the, uh, the ranking for them. Um, they didn't even consider him. So, so he's not one of those fighters that's on everybody's radar. And that's, that's where that episode was guided towards where uh, a little bit of disdain or a little bit of a, of lack of trust there, I guess, uh, as far as what they're reporting and what they're trying to sell, sell to us as being a legit fight when we know it's not. And yet a lot of people come out on the opposite side and say like, here he goes again, fighting a tomato can, right? You hear those, those typical claims or the normal claims. And, and rather than, uh, than to come across that way, I, I scrapped the show. I watched the fight. I wanted to do justice by him and do, do, do right by both fighters, uh, and, and watch the fight. And then do a, do a recap of it. By that taking place, I also got to watch the, uh, Sudo Ramirez comeback, which I spoke on one of the previous episodes. Gilberto Ramirez, of course, used to hold claim to the WBO title at 168 as super middleweight. And we have the big fight this weekend between Canelo and Callum Smith at 168. Um, I cover that, that, that fight on another episode. That one I'm still going to go ahead and, uh, and release to you. Uh, that one's been done and, and I'll be releasing that to you. Um, Zurdo Ramirez, uh, the WBO former champion at 168 vacates the title. The person who holds claim to that title now is BJ Saunders. Zurdo Ramirez moves up to 175. This is the second showing at 175 fighting Antonio Lopez. And Antonio Lopez, more of a journeyman, more of a veteran, although he has a decent record. 
Uh, very good record on his side, but it's been against lesser opposition or maybe similar opposition to his level of fighting. Antonio Lopez, uh, sorry, Alfonso Lopez. I keep calling him Antonio Lopez, Alfonso Lopez. Uh, El Tigre, uh, he is 32 and 3 going into this fight. Now he has a fourth loss to Surdo Ramirez. Uh, he got stopped, 25 knockouts. Uh, he was on a bit of a streak there, but he's been fighting around, he's been, he's been around the, the boxing circle and, uh, for a while. He fought Kelly Pavlik back in 2011 to give you an idea. So that's nine years ago. So he's been around and even then he had fights before that. So he's, he's your, your true journeyman. Uh, never really made it to the world stages, but he's always decent opposition. And at that, my respect and my my hat off to him because he gave Surdo Ramirez a fight until he couldn't. But he gave Surdo Ramirez, he hit him with some really good punches, some really solid punches. Um, he went at him. He made Surdo Ramirez earn that victory. And of course, as Surdo Ramirez started shedding that rust, that ring rust from nearly being, being away from the ring for nearly two years, as he ends up, uh, coming in, getting his gears going and coming into his own towards the middle of the fight, uh, he ends up, he drops Alfonso Lopez early. Uh, in the fight, uh, if I, if, if my memory doesn't fail me, I believe it was the second round that he drops him and then he ends up, uh, stopping him. They end up waving the fight off. He stops him. Uh, there was some concerns at the end of the ninth round, whether Lopez was fully conscious, um, and, and able to continue. So Ramirez ends up stopping him in the 10th, hits him real hard, uh, drops him where his knee bends back, uh, in an awkward position. Lopez taking the fall. Uh, on his back and goes out on his back and goes out on his shield. So Surdo Ramirez is back. He looked okay. It looks like this fight is the one that got him to shed that rust and get back in. If anything, he may have maybe one of the lower, uh, level opposition, but, or lower, maybe higher ranked, but lower opposition as far as 175. Right now, the division is up for grabs. So, Good opposition, but up for grabs as far as champions are, are concerned. Um, Trudor Ramirez could definitely have a, a decent fight up next, stepping up the level of competition, but not quite against a champion yet or challenging for a title. This is definitely not the fight that did it for him yet. But 2021 should be a big year for Ramirez, and maybe by this time next year, we'll probably be seeing uh, Gilberto Ramirez, maybe third quarter, right? Between September and December, we should see Ramirez fighting for a title. But he has... Maybe spring should be another another uh, step up in, in competition at 175. Uh, and then shed those cobwebs by summertime in September. He should be getting into into the ring with, uh, with some big names. Hopefully, this is a big active year for him. Uh, and then let's jump in to Triple G Saramera. One of the things that I noticed about Saramera was... Um, here, before I jump into Triple G, Gilberto Ramirez still undefeated, guys, 41-0 and and promoting himself now. So kind of taking the Canelo route, obviously not as notable of a fighter as Canelo, but a big threat to anybody out there. He's promoting himself. So even though a lot of people didn't know about this fight yesterday, and it was on Fight TV, uh, F-I-T-E TV, uh, dot TV, uh, he's... He, the sky's the limit for him. He's bound to get into these bigger fights and it's going to pay off. The fact that he's promoting himself, it's going to pay off for him in the long run because he's solid 41 and 0. Uh, and he's, he's a threat in any division that he decides to, uh, to fight in. So let's jump in. Triple G, Sarah Meta, big DAZN event on a Friday night. Uh, like I told you before, I scrapped the preview episode. 
And I'll tell you one of the things that I was noticing about Sarameda, some of the previous fights that I got to watch about him, um, I noticed that he, he leads his attack from the left side. He constantly attacks by way of left jab, left hook, and throws an overhand left. And to reset his punches and gather his footing, reset his footing, he often throws a right punch to, to the body or a right overhand, uh, punch. Now, that's how he resets his footing and he's able to catch his spacing and then go back in. Very, not the very, not the quickest of fighters. Fairly slow puncher. He has some good size on him as far as the way he's looked against his prior opposition. He was always the bigger of the opponents or, or the bigger of the two in the ring. Uh, it wasn't the case against Triple G. Triple G actually looks similar size to him. Both fairly built guys. Uh, looks like a little more muscle on the side of, uh, of Sarameda. So therefore he starts getting gassing out a little bit towards the middle rounds, usually of third or fourth, fifth round. He starts gassing out because he's carrying all that bulk. But he's still a slow fighter. He's a, he's slow at delivering. Uh, he's very uh, robotic at, at delivering his punches. Everything is from the left. And since he generates everything from the left, he leaves that right side open, completely open. Right side of the face open, right side of the body open. And when I started catching this on some of his previous fights, I start seeing that Golovkin's going to pick him apart with that. Any, any, any type of combination that Golovkin puts together, and we know Golovkin is very good at putting combinations, uh, and, and very specific at putting combinations, whether they're to the body, he doesn't mix body to the, to the face, uh, or if they're, if they're head combos, he doesn't mix them to, to finish him off with, with body punches. He, he's very direct at his combinations. And if he puts a combo together to the head, it's to the head. And if he's putting a, uh, a combination down low, he's going to direct his pain and his damage to the body. He's very specific. He knows exactly what he's doing. Of course, we hadn't seen him in a while. He's been, he's been gone since 2019 as well. So he's been laid off for a while. Obviously, we expected that there was going to be a little, uh, it was going to take him a few rounds to get back in there. It took him a round, the first round. So he looks good. He looks solid. Triple G comes away with the victory, drops him four times, uh, and ends up stopping him in the seventh round. Doesn't answer the bell by, for the eighth. Uh, of course, the big news was that he defended his title again. They're saying that he's, uh, he's beat, uh, Bernard Hopkins for most defenses now with 21 is the claim now. Um, this is the stuff that was bothering me, right? About the preview and why I scrapped that episode because I didn't want to cr- come across too negative. But when you have fights like this, it's easy to build your name up uh, by fighting lesser opposition. You're at a certain level and the claim is that you are the man at 160. You need to be fighting and cleaning out that division like prior champions have done and like current champions are doing right now. In the welterweight division, we see that there's nobody left other than Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. And then you have the back row and that second row of fighters being Manny Pacquiao, who's at the, in the latter stages of his career, Keith Thurman, Sean Porter. They could also fight amongst themselves, Mikey Garcia, Danny Garcia. They could fight amongst themselves and figure out who's going to be the next opponent and the next challenger to the throne. But right now to defy the lineal, um, claimant to, to the welterweight division has to be between Errol Spence and and uh and Terrence Crawford, right? We have the 160 where Canelo's pretty much running the show. Why is Canelo the lineal champion? Because he beat the man 
who was the man. And that was Miguel Cotto. And Miguel Cotto took all the titles from Sergio Martinez. So those are the, that's how the lineal, the lineage passes down, right? Now Canelo Alvarez holds the franchise title to the WBC, the WBC franchise title in the 160. He's the super champion uh, for the WBA, and he also holds the uh, the ring title, right? The lineal, the lineal title there. Now you have Golovkin as a champion. You have Demetrius Andrade as a champion. You have Jermall Charlo as the WBC regular champion. You have Ryota Murata as a regular champion in the WBA, um, and you have Chris Eubanks Jr., who's the interim. Uh, Jaime Munguia is also in play. You, I mean, listen the the. The landscape is there. Clean out the division and leave it to nobody's question that there should be a third fight between you and Canelo. Eliminate Charlo. Eliminate Munguia, who's an up-and-coming prospect. Eliminate Eubanks, who's an up-and-coming prospect at that 160. Eliminate Murata, who holds the title. Eliminate Andrade. But go after these guys. Or move up in division and make waves to where you really leave leave no question to why there should be a fight between you and Canelo, a third fight between you and Canelo, since that's who you're chasing. That's my criticism of Golovkin at this point. Um, nonetheless, you got Canelo who ends up going up to 175, fights Kovalev. He's taking the challenges. If people want to criticize the fact that Canelo uh, is dodging fighters or that he's picking on fighters on their way out of their career or so forth, it is what it is, right? But yet, Kovalev could have easily, he had a tough fight against Yarde going into Canelo fight. Uh, and he was still, he still held the title there at 175 and he's still a name at 175. Canelo took, took him on. There's, of course, other fighters. Now Hilberto Ramirez is going to be moving up there, right? Now he takes on Callum Smith, who holds the lineal championship at 168 and holds the WBA super champion at 168. And now the WBC has stepped in to add a title to that, to that fight as well. Uh, so they want their, their champion at 168 to be decided, uh, at that fight, Callum versus Canelo. So these are big fights. This is what Golovkin needs to be after. He stops Sarameda. Decent fighter. If anything, it's more of a negative on Sarameta's career because he ends up basically slowing his career down or maybe dictating his career to take a different path where he wasn't defeated up to this point. If he could have continued climbing the ranks, uh, he would have actually had uh, better opposition and possibly been a who's who as a challenger to fight Golovkin down the line. Golovkin, of course, doesn't have that much time, but similar thing to Kelbrook, right? Kelbrook ends up taking up the challenge against Golovkin, breaks his orbital bone in the fight, or Golovkin breaks his orbital bone. Then he suffers the same fate against Errol Spence, and now he loses Terrence Crawford. And you look at this, and it's like his career has been on the decline because he took that challenge and took the risk, took the damage, and that changes the path of his career. So if Golovkin is going to do that, do it to fighters that are already up at that level or claiming to be at the level. Sarameda was nowhere near there. He was nowhere near there. So now you possibly change the path to this career, to this young career, uh, and, and possibly affected it for, for good. So in, in a negative way. So this is how, this is how the fighters are putting food on the table for, for their families, right? And now you possibly affected that for them. Everybody knows the risk when they're, when they're stepping through those ropes, right? And of course, for Sarameda, it was a huge upside to be able to defeat Golovkin. So, hey, you got to give it to him for having stepped in there, but he wasn't ready. He's nowhere near at that level. So 
we gotta we gotta slow down a little bit with the glorification of Golovkin and saying that he's this and he's that. Look at the opposition, right? Same thing with Steve Rolls. Uh, same thing with uh, who else? Curtis Stevens was another fighter that comes to mind. I mean, man, it's just there's plenty of guys right there that are making claim uh, that they and they and they're willing to unify the division. And you're fighting these guys, so. To Triple G, to me, listen, he comes back. He looks good. He looks strong. The fact that it took him seven rounds to get rid of this fighter after he dropped him four four times, um, the credit goes to Sarameda in that sense. And the fact that he lasted, that he's he was just not willing to to give in, not that easily, right? So a lot of heart and a lot and decent chin on Sarameda's end uh, for Golovkin. I mean, good. He got some work. He got some rounds in there. Uh, now let's see if he actually steps up in competition instead of taking on another uh, unranked fighter or unrecognized fighter by most organizations. And um, and hopefully he gets into into a big one. My, my respects out to Golovkin. He's had a solid career. But uh, the arguments have come up recently. Where do you rank Golovkin as an all-time great in the middleweight division? And to me, I don't even think he makes the top 20 at the moment. When you start looking at such fighters as the Four Kings... And you start looking at Nigel Benn and Chris Eubank. Uh, you start looking at fighters that left their stamp and moved on to larger divisions, right? But you got, I mean, who else do you have uh, out there? Mugabe, who was a big, big name against Marvin Hagler. Uh, John Mugabe, I mean, you, you name it. Do your research. You'll see that Golovkin quickly starts dropping dropping uh, in 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 stature based on what he's done not just by record but look at the opposition that he's been facing uh and what he's done against the opposition that he's faced the biggest name that he's gotten to date has been canelo from there he got danny jacobs questionable win right a lot of people thought danny jacobs pulled that out good that golovkin got the win deverichenko questionable win a lot of people thought deverichenko got it but you can definitely make the argument that that Golovkin at least took that by two rounds, right? If you rewatch that fight, I, I thought Golovkin at least took uh, took that fight by a couple rounds. Um, then the then the Canelo fight, right? Should he have won the first one? Maybe so. You're right. Instead of a draw, I get it. The second time, Canelo came after him, and even then, it was a close fight. But this goes a lot to say uh, against his big fights and the big names of the division. This is the type of fight that Golovkin delivers. He looks massive and looks monstrous against lesser opposition. But when the names step up and he fights the top echelon of the division, this is the results that we see. So now we got to see him against Charlo or let's see him against Andre. Let's see him against Munguia or Eubanks. Uh, let's, but let's see him against the other names that are already up at that level or making claim to be at that level. Nonetheless, Good win for Golovkin. Uh, he holds, he, he retains his title and let's see what 2021 holds from. He's getting up there in age. He's 38 years old. Uh, he's got maybe one more year left. Maybe two years is pushing it, right? To me, at least in my eyes, but he's definitely got a solid 2021 with at least a good three fights. Uh, maybe even four fights left in his career before he hangs up those gloves. And let's hope that he goes out on top. And, uh, and all this could be ignored if he puts, if he puts good showings against good top opposition at 160 and ends up unifying this division, leaving it to no question that this was his division and this was his time uh, when when he was active. 
even in the latter stages of his career. So good win for Golovkin, good win for Gilberto Ramirez, and um, I'll talk to you all soon. Sorry, this was supposed to be a quick episode, and I feel like I'm going already into, well, I am actually going close to 20 minutes now, so I apologize for that, but I got to combine two episodes, and I got to do right by you, the fight fans, and not not provide the uh, the prior episode because it was just going to be super negative. At least I got to watch the fight. I got to see what Sarameda has other than my prior judgments of him or notions. I got to see him fight. Now I know what kind of fighter he is. Hopefully he continues his career and he's able to get back up there to, to a big name fight. Uh, good young fighter uh, now has his first defeat. So good for Golovkin, good for Ramirez that, that they're back, uh, active. And hopefully we see them here in a few months time and let's see, let's see what the, what the rest of their career holds for them. So I'll talk to you all soon. Uh, thank you again for tuning into the Tomatoito show and, uh, and see you all later.